Amen. Okay, now let me pick up. Now, here's what's weird. Here's what's weird is that, uh, you know, you, you, in my job, you know, my position, I get to hang out with a lot of people. And a lot of, you know, believe it or not, people that not from here, but other, other believers and other Christians and other teachers and preachers and evangelists. I, you know, and I got, got a lot of great friends. But what surprises me is how many uh, people have a believer T-shirt but don't have any clue what they believe in. You know, well, man, I'm just going to church. You, you know, uh, I kind of like church a little bit, but if this is all there was, are you kidding? You know, there's got to be something more. You know, where's the ability to, to produce the promises of God? Where's the ability to humiliate hell? Where's the ability to demonstrate Satan's defeat? You, you know, uh, Jesus said, you know, hey, I, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to come back. How many you know he's done that already? Okay. He, and he said, and when he comes, he, he's going to convict and convince the world and bring demonstration to it about righteousness and about judgment. And when it talks about judgment, that the enemy, the evil prince of this world, Satan, has already been judged. He's already been defeated. Judgment has been set upon him. How come a defeated enemy is beating up so many believers? Because we got a bunch of believers, all they got is a T-shirt and a bumper sticker. They don't have any idea how to demonstrate that, how to, how to appropriate that. And I'm here today to tell you that, you, you know what, you got to know some stuff. Right? I mean, you, you need to have an understanding of the Word of God so that you know how to use it. And, and uh, you know, you need to know, hey, I, I'm not kind of righteous. I'm not sort of righteous. No, I'm totally righteous. Right? You know, I, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? I have the same righteousness God does. You know, man, I'm telling you, it's, it's the same thing in my life that, that God gave to his son. As a matter of fact, because I'm, because I'm in Christ, you, you know, people get under the mindset that God's mad at him. Well, God ain't mad at you. He loves you. He's trying to hurt you. No, he's trying to help you. He ain't trying to put you down. He's trying to pull you up. Hello, somebody. And, 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 and you know, well, you know, I'm, I'm just a worm. That must be weird. But you're a very victorious worm. Hello? You, you know, uh, if you're in Christ, think about this for just a minute. If you're in Christ, it, 1 John 4, 17 is true that as he is, so are we in this world. That when, when God's talking, you know, in the word, when speaking about his son, he's, he's talking about you. Hello? And remember when he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased? You are in Christ, so you're now a beloved child of God. I know some of you ladies struggle with being a son of God. Deal with it. Us guys got to be the bride of Christ. You know, it, it, it's just a biblical terminology. You're a child of God. Hello, somebody. You're not kind of a child of God. You know, I, Shelby and I, we've raised three boys. Have, they ever, uh, have there ever been moments where uh, they questioned their sonship? I'm sure that there must have been because there were sure a bunch of time they weren't acting like my kids. <laughs> but it didn't change. <laughs> it didn't. I just made myself laugh. I'm thinking of times I should talk about, but I won't because I don't have time. Uh, but, you know, but the reality is, no, they're my child. You're God's child. Look at somebody say, I'm God's kid. Look at this. Ephesians 2, verse 4 again. Uh, God, so rich in his mercy. How many thankful for his mercy? Oh, come on. How many thankful for his mercy? You need, you, you need to be celebrating the mercy of God. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. 
Hello? Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. And, uh, 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 you know, grace, grace, it, well, here's the deal. Mercy is for past failures. Grace, that's for your future. You know, mercy's dealing with the result of bad behavior. Grace is the power to change your behavior. Grace gives you the ability to do exactly what God's called you to do. It's an empowering agent that causes you to live a totally different lifestyle than you did without it. So, so now all of a sudden, you can do everything the Word of God tells you to do. I have strength for all things I'm ready for and equal to anything because my way through Christ is infusing me with an inner strength. You, you got to quit lying to yourself and say, I'm just not strong enough. Well, Ephesians 6.10 says, finally, brethren, be strong. That don't sound like a suggestion. Be strong. That sounds like one of them commandments. Well, if strength is a commandment, then weakness would be a sin. Jesus ain't weak. You ain't weak either. Now, I'll tell you what, if you ever get a revelation of this, you're going to change your entire world because all of a sudden that which the enemy had a hold of, he is gone. You know, that, that's, have you ever wondered why we sing the stuff we sing? What does that mean? You make me brave. What does that mean? You make me brave. Well, the Bible says that, that the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. And the more you understand your righteousness in Christ, the braver you're going to get. Not, not only in life in general, but in your relationship with God. Because all of a sudden, you ain't got no problem knowing that, hey, I am okay with God. I can walk right into the presence of God. Hello, somebody? Uh, I said, I, I, I can get right into the presence of God because I'm okay with God. And Jesus did something that gave me access to the presence of God. And what he did, you know, between, between the cross and the throne, I got to tell you guys something. What he did in that spot is crazy because all of a sudden he granted us access so that now we live daily in the presence of God and we have everything heaven has to offer at our disposal. Hello. You make me brave. You know, no weapon formed against me can prosper. If God be for me, who gives a rip what's against me? Hello, somebody. Right? I'm above only, not beneath. I'm the headlight, not the taillight. I'm blessed coming in, blessed going out, blessing the city, blessing the field. Everything I set my hand to prospers. Well, I, wish, I wish that was true for me. I wish you'd get born again. Hallelujah. Just saying. Haven't been eating a lot, so. In order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love, man, I'm telling you, the love God has for you is great, it is wonderful, and it is intense. Even, verse 5, even when we were dead, we're dead, past tense, by our own shortcomings and trespasses, he made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ himself, the same identical new life with which he raised him from the dead is what you've got in you. You have the same life in you that Christ had in him. What it did for Jesus, it'll do for you. There's only one kind of life that God's got. So you need to thank God for his mercy. Yeah, but you, you, don't, you don't understand, man. You don't know who I am. It, 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 you know, I, I got sin in my life. You, look at your neighbor and say, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, those Christians, they're all judgmental. 
uh, here, here's the deal. Uh, God made Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin. Hello? So that through him you might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, I think the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Altogether new. Behold, all things are new. That old stuff, that's dead and gone. That's that old nature. When you get born, there's a difference. We have got to embrace the reality that there's a difference between being a sinner and sinning. A lot of people are under the impression that if you're sinning, that makes you a sinner. No, a sinner isn't defined by sinning. Anybody, you know, everybody's sinning. But we have an advocate, right? We, 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 have this, we have this connection, with, we have this relationship that if we confess our faults, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right? But the difference between, uh, you know, what, what makes a person a sinner is their nature. And if you have the old dead nature, you're a sinner. But if you're born again, you've been given a new nature. You are partakers of the divine nature, and you are now no longer a sinner. You are a saint. You are a child of God. You have been made new. Yeah, but I'm struggling with this stuff. Right, because you're a three-part being. You, 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 you are a spirit. You are a spirit. You possess a soul, but you live in a body. The body has been corrupted. The soul, you, you know, the way you think, the way you feel, the way you make your choices, man, that's all messed up. Still, you, that's why you've got to do what Romans 12 said, don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can prove to yourself that God's will for you is good, perfect, and acceptable. You know, why do you got to prove it to yourself? Because your old self is trying to rule and reign. That, that, that body that was, that was corrupted by sin is trying to dominate. There's a propensity towards evil. There, there's a gravitational pull towards that old lifestyle that you need to break. There's some, ha- there's some new habits that you need to develop, right? You need to start thinking like God thinks. That's why I said my thoughts aren't your thoughts. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Not a put down, it's an invitation up. You got to get up and start thinking God thoughts so that you'll start having godly emotion because your emotions are birthed out of your thoughts. You got to have some godly emotion so that you make some godly choices because every choice you make is birthed out of emotion. You got to make some great godly choices so that you can perform godly actions because actions are the result of your choices. You got to have some godly actions so that you, and you got to do them long enough that they actually become a godly habit. See, a habit is just something that you can do without thought. So when, when life gets busy, you just, that's just what you do. That's, why? Because that's just who you are. Well, that, that old nature, see, he's dominating that area of your life, and you, you get busy, you get under pressure, you, whatever's going on, and all of a sudden you swing over there to that old way of doing stuff. Well, we got to break that, right? Why? Because we're a new man. So we got to get some new habits, and it's important that we get these new habits so that when life gets busy, we just be who we are, because as he is, so are we. And you're sitting there saying, well, I'm only human. You're not only human. You're also human. So you've got to let your spirit rule and reign, and then you've got to retrain the human part, the, the man, you know, that, 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 that soul. You've got, you got, you got to develop that soul, guard that soul, protect that soul so that you can get those habits, so that you can develop godly character, so you can have a God end result. That's what the enemy's trying to keep you, keep you as far away as he can from understanding God's plan and his purpose. And, and, and we end up coming to church trying to make it a behavior modification program. Don't change your actions, change your thinking. And, and develop, develop. Yeah, but, but, but I got sin in my life. Well, let's read this together, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned. 
Now, what's your excuse? Yeah, but I, I made some really dumb choices. We know. You're not special in that arena. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Most people, most Christians, you know, and God grew up in church, we could quote, you know, Romans 3.23. That's easy. What about Romans 3.24? It says we've all sinned, but justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So you might have sinned, but you've also been justified through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus Verse 25 says, whom God hath set forth to be the propitiation through faith in his blood. Everybody say, faith in his blood. Well, say it really loud. Say, faith in his blood. <laughs> to declare his righteousness for the remissions of sins that are past. I'm glad that there's remission for sins that are past. Through the forbearance of God, the love of God, the patience of God. To declare, I say, at this time, the now seasons, what the Amplified Bible says. To declare at this time, right now, his righteousness. Uh, look at this in the New Living Testament, Romans 3, 23. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. And he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. It's all about faith in his blood. Faith in his blood. The devil don't want you to know nothing about the blood of Jesus. Matter of fact, religion don't want to deal with the blood of Jesus. And our culture, our society, we don't want to talk about the blood. In the church circles, don't sing songs about the blood. Man, the blood is too messy. Man, aren't you, you know, be thankful you weren't in the Old Testament. You know, uh, the highest form of, of worship was the shedding of blood. Priests went in and sprinkled blood on everything. Whole sanctuaries covered in blood. Everything's covered in blood. He went in to the Holy of Holies and he sprinkled blood because you can't, you can't take the lid off, can't get into the presence of God unless they're shedding the blood. Can I just tell you something? That it's through faith in the blood. Well, if I were the devil, and I'm not, but if I were the devil, I wouldn't want you to know anything about the faith, about the blood either because if you don't know nothing about the blood, it's impossible for you to have faith in the blood. And if you ain't got faith in the blood, you ain't going to have remission of sin. Let me say that a little slower. If you don't know anything about the blood, you can't have faith in the blood. Because faith works largely, it's, very, it's largely dependent upon knowledge. You can't have faith in something you don't know nothing about. Now, start talking to Christians, I, and I actually thought about doing this. I really did. I had to restrain myself. And I thought about just walking through the congregation in each service with the microphone, just walking up to little believers here and asking, okay, tell me something about the blood. What is in the blood? Still thinking about doing it. Oh, my God. It's red. <laughs> if, you, if you go get a life insurance policy and you want a million dollar life insurance policy, guess what they're going to do? They're going to draw your blood. And they, they're going to come back two or three days later and they're going to have this printout, this sheet. And it's going to tell you everything that's in your blood. Because they can determine a lot about you and they have a chart that determines, kind of puts you in a little box of your life expectancy. 
based upon your blood. And you start reading that chart and you start looking at those papers and you're going through there and you go, my goodness, all that stuff's in my blood. Yeah, and if, if your cholesterol's a little too high, the price you're going to pay is going to go up. The blood counts are off. Guess what? The price that you're going to pay is going to go up a little bit more. It, it, there's a, why? Because the, really the story of you, who you are, your life is in the blood. Well, you need to understand that that's kind of what the Bible is, is a printout that tells you what's in the blood of Jesus. And you can look in here and you can find out a lot about what's in the blood. You're supposed to be having faith in the blood. Well, faith is dependent upon knowledge. So you're going to have to increase your knowledge in order to increase your faith, which will cause your faith to be more effective so that when you put faith in the blood, you know what you're putting faith in. And all of a sudden, your confidence level goes through the roof, and you say, you make me brave. Why? Because there's a bunch of stuff that if, uh, you know what, it don't do it. It didn't, remember in the Old Testament when, when the death angels come by and they had blood and they took the hits up and they put it on the doorpost. Of the, and it said, when I see the blood, I'm going to pass over you. you know, it wouldn't have done them any good to have 473 jars of blood in the cupboard. I got the blood. I got the blood. He said, when I see it. So in other words, you have to apply it. You have to apply it. And, and, and you know, faith in the blood. Well, James said that faith without works is worthless. So in other words, faith requires corresponding action. So in other words, you, got, you have to act like what you believe about the blood is true. And then a bunch of stuff that's been hitting your house will have to pass over your house because you all of a sudden had the blood applied. I'm telling you, there's a reason, there's a reason that, that, that the enemy don't want the church talking about the blood. It's just so weird, just so weird. You know, this, it, all the power's in the blood. But you've got to have faith in the blood. How do I get faith? Well, Romans 10, 17 says, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So how are we going to grow our faith in the blood? We're going to grow our understanding of God, what God has to say about the blood. Look at, look at Mark 4.24 in the Amplified. This verse is, if you get this one, it'll change a lot. He said, be careful what you are hearing. In other words, be careful with what you hear. Don't just, don't just be a, you know, a listener. That I go to church and I listen, then I go home and I you know, do, do, do everything else. You're wasting your time. You know, I really, I, you know, this, it's taken me years to get this revelation because I've really thought, I've, I was really under the impression that if you just heard like one or two of my messages, you could walk in victory forever. You know, I'm just that good. That's what I thought. But the reality is, is that no, that you, you, you know what, you have, you have to grow, you have to develop, you have to apply this stuff. You have to be careful with what you're hearing. Listen, the measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue, that's power, and knowledge that comes back to you the measure of, let's just take that for a minute. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear. If, 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 if we could put, you know, if, if this was like a, uh, you know, like a Geiger counter, you know, and, and we, we, could come, we could come and hold it over you, you know, and if we, we get over here and, and up on the screen, a graph would come and it would be the, the level of thought and study. like a vacuum right here. Yeah. 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 I mean, wouldn't that be, that, that might be motivation. 
<laughs> just that vacuum, you know, it, let me put it in term, you, you can understand what I'm saying. It's like sucks. Your Christian experience sucks. Why? Well, because you've given no thought or study, so you ain't got no power. Man, you, you want the power. There's power in the blood. Might we say <laughs> there's more in his blood than you currently know? I'm pretty certain that his blood can do stuff that you don't actually currently know about. Because if you knew, you'd probably be having to do it. Hello? But you can't put faith in it if you don't know nothing about it. It's going to bring a trailer. I forgot my trailer hitch. It's going to bring a trailer hitch. You know, the stinger. You slide out. Everybody know what that is? Slide out the stinger. And then there's, what, what, what is that thing that, that slides in the back? You know, well, the, but then you got the little tiny pin. You know, you, you, can, you can pull 10,000 pounds with a stinger. Not a problem. Un, unless, but, there, but, but you have to have that pin that you, you know, you slide the hitch in and then you put the pin in. If you ain't got the pin, you can put the stinger in, hook up to the trailer and drive away. Where's the trailer at? Back, back right there. So, so the trailer hitch is like all that God has done. Uh, you know, that connects you to this trailer load of blessing that you can have. But you got to have the stinger, right? But what Jesus did at the cross, that's that nail. It connects you to it. But you still have a little part. You got that little safety pin thing that you put on there. Because without that, if you're not careful, you come unhitched. So what do I do to activate the power? Well, you believe. Well, I don't sound, you mean that's all I got to do? Yeah, that's all you got to do. You got to believe. Think about it. The pressure ain't on that little pin. The pressure's all on God's provision, what Jesus did. But you still have a piece that you, that you have to connect to. And it's through faith in the blood that connects you to all that God has provided you. So you, you got to develop your level of understanding. You got to give thought and study to the truth you hear so that the measure of power can multiply in you. And he said, you know what? It, and more is going to come if you can hear it. He said, you start, you start increasing, you start increasing the level of thought and study you give, and God's not just going to add. It's going to multiply. It's, it's crazy what's going to happen in your world. And you just got to increase your faith. Somebody say Amen. Well, well, you know, we, we were reading that, and it says that, that we had redemption through faith in the blood. Let's just talk about that real quick for a minute. Uh, redemption is just deliverance by the payment of a price. It's to pay a price to free someone from bondage in their day and age. You know, lots of things would end up getting you in slavery. You know, remember the, the story of the, of the lady and the husband had died, and she had two sons, and she went to the prophet because they were coming quickly to get her sons, and they're going to take them into slavery because she didn't have, you know, it, you could end up in slavery. Well, if, if you were redeemed, redeemed from that, somebody would come and buy you out. They'd pay the price. And, and uh, the Bible says that uh, all of us are slaves, that when you're born uh, into this world, nobody's free. Everybody in their sinful state is a slave, and, and they're in captivity. And who's their captor? Uh, 
sin. Sin is the captor. Uh, look at this, John 8, 34. Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin, Romans 6, 17. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. You were slaves to sin. So sin's the captor that holds men, and sin demands a price to be paid to release its victims. And what's the price for sin? Well, according to the Bible, it says the wages or the price of sin, the wages of sin is Death. So there's gonna, in order to release a sinner from the grasp of sin, there's going to have to be a death. And look at this, Hebrews 9.22, according to the law, almost all things are purified with the blood, but without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There's no remission of sin without the shedding of what? Blood. So you got to have some blood in order to get free from that sin. The Old Testament said the soul that sinneth, it's going to die. All right. So the wages of sin is death, but Jesus has redeemed us. What does that mean? He paid the price of sin to free the slave and to set him free. In Galatians 5, I, I wish I had more time, but I don't. In Galatians 5, it says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Therefore, stand fast and don't be entangled again. with it. If Once you get bought out, don't keep going back. Come on. Get, get, get some you know, have some sense. Galatians 1, he, he who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age. Christ has delivered you by paying a price. He's delivered you from evil, delivered you from the yoke of bondage, delivered you from the power of darkness, translated you into the kingdom of his son. You've been made free from sin and you became the servants of righteousness. So you're free from the evil age, free from corruption, free from the yoke of bondage, free from sin. You've been redeemed. How? With the blood of Jesus. But if you ain't, don't got any understanding about the blood, you're not going to act like you're redeemed. You're going to act like you're in bondage. Hebrews 2, verse 14, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that is, Christ God became a man, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and delivered them through the fear of death, uh, all their lifetime subject to bondage. He has redeemed us. He comes to buy us out. He comes to pay a price. Redemption. Now, now let me give you some of the legal terms in the Bible that were connected to redemption. Uh, uh, one of them is diakiosis. And, and if you want these, I'll give them to you later. But it, it just simply means acquittal. So when someone was acquitted of a crime, they'd go to court, they'd be acquitted. And we translate that. You've heard this word all through the Bible, justified. When you've been justified, you've, you were taken into a courtroom setting and you were acquitted. The charges against you, no longer there, you were acquitted. Uh, there's another word, uh, a thesis. It means to cancel a debt. When somebody through the court system would receive a judgment saying they owed a price, but that price is now canceled, we translate that forgiveness. There's a big old long word. And it means adoption. When a family would go to court to adopt a child, there was an adoption. So that's where, in the Bible, that, that, that redemption word is called sonship. When you become a son. Uh, there's another word that means reconciliation. When someone went into court, two factions were fighting a legal case. And then they were taken to the court. And then by the time they were done, they were brought to reconciliation. We've been reconciled to God through Christ. And, and there's another one that literally means to redeem, to purchase, or set free. So check this out. Just in, redemp just in redemption, and because of faith in the blood, you are redeemed. So in justification, the sinner stands before God accused, but he's declared righteous. In forgiveness, the sinner stands before God a debtor, but he receives a cancellation of his debt. 
In adoption, you stand before God as a stranger, but you're made a child of God. In reconciliation, you stand before God an enemy, but God declares you a friend of God. In redemption, you stand before God as a slave, but God sets you free. So you've been justified, forgiven, adopted, reconciled, redeemed, all through the blood. And that's only one faction of the blood. But if you don't know about the blood, then you don't live like you're justified. You live like you're guilty. You know, uh, uh, psychologists, sociologists say that over 80% of, of self-destructive behavior has its root in shame and guilt. People, man, I'm telling you, people feeling shame, people dealing with guilt, struggling with, you know, stuff from the past, stuff that they didn't even do, something that somebody else did. Sometimes even people that they don't even know who they were, but something was done, and they're living with shame and guilt. Of course, the enemy don't want you free from that. Why? Well, because he can't just kill you, so what's he do? He gets you to kill yourself. He'll get you to do all kinds of stupid behavior that tears down your life and destroys your future. God's got a plan for you, not to harm you, but to prosper you, to give you hope in a future. Well, the enemy's trying to keep you out of that hope, keep you out of that future. So he'll have you doing all kinds of stupid stuff that separates you from the end that God declared over you. And we, we all under the impression that the devil's been wreaking havoc. No, we've been, we've been wreaking havoc. How? Through stupid behavior. Well, that's what we mean. We should change our behavior. No, you got to change your understanding. You got to change the way you think. Because otherwise, that old behavior is just going to repeat anyways. So you just need to understand, no, wait a minute. I need to plead the blood. I'm acting like an idiot right now. I'm acting like I've been acquitted. I'm acting like I'm guilty. I'm not guilty. I've been acquitted. I'm, I don't have to carry the weight of sin. And, and, well, yeah, but you did it. I saw you do it. No, that wasn't me. That was the old me. But I saw you do it. Okay, well, I guess if it was me, then I confess. Now what am I? Forgiven. You know, the enemy a long time ago quit reminding me of stupid stuff that I'd done. Because the minute he'd do it, it'd just be, thank you, devil. Father, remember, he's right, I did that. Okay, I'm forgiven. Am I going to, well, then then I'm free to do it again. I'm telling you, if you have a brain, you're not going to do the self-destructive behavior. Pretty soon you're going to go, you know what, God's plan really is a good plan. God's will for my life really is good. God's plan really is perfect. Yeah, I ain't missing out. You know, the, perfect, the, the word perfect means nothing missing, nothing lacking, right? It's, it's totally complete. The devil wants you to think that if you really live for God, you're going to miss out on a lot of stuff. Are you, what are you, on crack? Well, look at the good times they're having. Follow that down the road. Follow that down the road and look at the wreck. And then go, hmm, I don't need that, and that wasn't worth that, so I'm not going to get that, so I have to stay away from that. I mean, I'm not a genius, but I'm half smart. Well, you've been estranged from God. No, I'm a child. I've been adopted. I've been reconciled. I'm no longer an enemy. Uh, you know what? I'm not, if I'm a slave to anything, I want to be a slave to righteousness. So why, how, how do we get this? It's all through his blood. Amen. So, so today we're going to get ready to take communion together and we're going to apply that blood. But before we do it, I want you to close your book and bow your head because we're going to, we're going to pray. And, and if you're here today and I don't know everybody's story, but if